Welcome to Something Like It Pops, a list of Palooza. I am Matt Timonini, and as always, I am joined by Jennifer McHugh. Jen, you ready to get the waterworks flowing? Oh, always. I can always use a good cry. <laughs> All right. You can follow Jen on Twitter at EpineQ. That's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q. And you can follow me at B-W-W-M-A-T-T. You can find all episodes of Something Like a Pop, including lists of Paloozas, special mini-episodes on BroadwayWorld.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please subscribe so you can get every episode of Something Like a Pop as soon as it is available. Then share the sheer all-encompassing joy that is Something Like a Pop with everyone that you know. Jen, since we had our Best of 2016 episode... And then our Oscar predictions, uh, wish, want, and will episode. It's been a while since we've done an official list of Palooza. So we're going to do one today. Why don't you let everyone know exactly what we're going to be counting down? I assigned you to think of the top 10 movies that have made you as a straight white male cry the most. Okay. And then I assume that you will count down yours as a straight white woman. Absolutely. Okay. How this works is that I will start and count down my, I, I don't know favorite is the right word, but the movies that made me cry 10 through 6, then Jen will do the same, then we'll alternate picks 5 through 1. Um, I'm not going to lie, Jen, this was weird, this is a weird list for me, because, as I've talked about before, I'm a sentimental crier, like I cry at sentiment, I don't usually cry at emotion, so things that are like super sad don't really make me cry in movies, I mean, they make me sad, but they don't make me cry, I tend to be someone that cries at like, just the little touching moments. But then I don't really know. I didn't know how to rank these. Like, it was really weird. Like, do I rank them based on movies that made me cry in the order that I like? Or the the amount of tears? So I, I honestly cannot tell you how I ranked these. But I put them in an order that made that felt right. Even though I really couldn't defend it if you if you asked me for the most part. I went by what how hard I cried. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to say I cry probably at half of the movies I see and a lot of TV shows just on anything sentimental. I uh, So this is not a complete list. And again, I just tried to remember and go through some movie lists and see which ones made sense to me. So let me know what you guys cried at. Tweet us at SLIP Podcast or BWWMATT or Eponine Q and let us know what makes you cry because I'm 1000% sure there are some that I'm forgetting. But first, we're going to go 10 through 6. I'm going to lead us off. Jen, I'm, I'm going to kick it off with number 10, Pitch Perfect 2. When they did this whole thing where all these former Bellas came back, and then I saw Robin Roberts in there. I don't know why that made me cry. Um, number 9 is Remember the Titans. Number 8 is Rocky. Just any Rocky. It doesn't matter, except for the one with Clubber Lips. Everything else uh, makes me cry. Number 7 Clubber is... Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang. Oh, it's Thunder Lips and Clubber Lang. Whatever. Same person. That movie's garbage. Um, number seven, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And number six, Toy Story Part Tray. Jen, what's your 10 through six? Um, <laughs> it's funny how I suggested it now. I'm like embarrassed. There had to be a Nicholas Sparks appearance. And so I just, you know, had to go with the one that made me cry the hardest. Number 10, A Walk to Remember, 2002. Number nine, The Bridges of Madison County, 1995. Number eight, from 1988, Beaches, obviously. From number seven, 2009's Up. And if you don't cry it up, you are a dead soul. And number six, from 1993, Philadelphia. Hmm, good one. I guess having a Nicholas Sparks appearance is better than having a Nicholas Cage appearance. Moving on. Although this next one might make you uh, question my sanity. My number five, and I included this in here. I wanted to include it at number five because I wanted to talk about it a little bit. 
And that's a good point to make. Sometimes when I'm ranking, I think about what would be more interesting to talk about. <laughs> like, I don't have a lot to say about A Walk to Remember. I just cried at it. Yeah, that's fair. This is one, I think it's the first movie that I remember crying at, not necessarily as an adult, because I, I really wasn't an adult, but I was a teenager. And it was the first one that I really, it really made me cry. And I was like, wait, why, why am I crying at this? But that was the tearjerker of a 1996 film, Independence Day. There, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying, there is a moment. Where the goofy, widowed, alcoholic, crop-dusting Vietnam War veteran pilot, Russell Case, played by Randy Quaid, decides that he is going to sacrifice himself and fly his plane up into the alien ship, sacrifice himself for the sake of his daughter and the sake of humanity. And that made me cry. I don't remember why. Uh, I mean, it was just a ridiculous thing, but it's that sentimentality that I mentioned. Family stuff um, gets me a lot. I don't know if it's because I'm close with my family. I don't really know why, but it, that stuff gets me all the time. So 1996's Independence Day, the absolutely bonkers and insane Randy Quaid. So Randy Quaid made you cry. I, I, I'm just saying. I, okay, cool. I have, no, I have no defense. I told you that I don't know why these are here, but it, it is what it is. All right. My number five, um, full disclosure, I cry at 99.8% of sports movies. So I decided to only choose one because my entire list could have been sports movies. And I don't know why I just had this feeling you were going to pick Remember the Titans, but I did cry very hard at that. So I went back and forth between Rudy and this one. And I chose this one because it was the first time I saw my actual brothers cry. And I still watch it and I still cry. And it's 1986's Hoosiers. I still don't think he's going to make the shot at the end. Like I just, there's anxiety and I, I just, it, there's always a possibility, but it's from 1986, you know, the uh, basketball story, Samson versus Goliath, hickory, hickory boys from the middle of nowhere have to, you know, start on this Cinderella run from their tiny little high school where at one point they only have four players to the state championship. And man, it's just everything you want a sports movie to be. Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, and these no-name kids who did nothing. They were just kids, local kids that they cast as these basketball players. And it's just so moving. Dennis Hopper plays a, a freak. Shocker. But um, it's just a great movie. I still cry. I still get anxiety. Spoiler alert, he makes the basket. But you never know if he will the next time. Fair enough. Uh, I mentioned Remember the Titans. I mentioned Rocky. That will not be the last sports movie on my list. Hoosiers isn't on my list, but that is a very admirable addition to yours. Okay, number four on my list is a movie that I think if you don't cry at this movie, specifically the first ten minutes, you have no heart and no soul. And that is the 2009 Disney Pixar animated film, Up. That opening... 10 minute ish sequence where it follows Carl and his wife through their entire relationship from children to when she passes away is in my opinion, one of the greatest short films, if not the greatest short film ever made. It is so touching. It is so perfect. I absolutely, I could watch the first 10 minutes of up and never ever 
watch the rest of it and still put up in, in my top ten of animated films of all time. It is so good. It is so great. I love Up as a whole. It's a great movie. But in terms of crying, <laughs> in terms of crying, that first ten minutes is near perfection. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, my God. I remember watching it and you're thinking – Jesus, I thought this was a funny Disney movie. Like, what is or Pixar or whatever? <laughs> yeah. How it's yeah. happening? What? Where's the balloons? Yeah, where's the balloons in the house flying? Horrifying. What is this? Oh, God, yeah. But in a good way. But in of a good course, way. Of course, yeah. Again, again, it's that sentimentality that gets me. And that, you know, the love and the, you know, the husband and wife, you know, kind of thing. That, that'll, that'll get to me every time. All right, so what is your number four, Jen? My number four See, I think my tears come from uh, glimpses at the real world, <laughs> whether it be documentary or biopics or stuff like that, where you know that this is going on. And this was a real life encounter um, that happened a few years back. And this was the movie about that encounter. And I, I just cried so hard because I knew that it really happened. And it was from 2000. 13 Fruitvale Station about the death of Oscar Grant on the BART in San Francisco when he was killed by a police officer. Um, it stars Michael B. Jordan right as he was starting to get hot as an actor. Yeah. And he has definitely maintained it. But um, it kind of takes us through his last moments of life as, as well as flashing back to who he was as a person and shows his humanity. You know, he wasn't a perfect person, but he obviously did not deserve to die the way he did. But it really was really hard to watch. But I highly recommend it to everyone because oh, I didn't realize this was going to be such a depressing episode. <laughs> you picked it. I know. But yeah, Fruitvale Station. It's such a good movie. It's criminal that Michael B. Jordan did not, did not get nominated for an Academy Award for that. Um, so good. I, that was one I thought about including as well. But it's so, so good. I, on that, I did not include this movie, mainly because it's maybe we've, I didn't want to overlap too much with my next pick. But talking about real-life situations, I cried multiple times at Hidden Figures. Again, based on a true story, I cried multiple times at that one. It just gets me just sentimentality, overcoming these obstacles and it just i cried at that one so the the real life things that i know again it's not a documentary but uh really for the most part happened those will get me too but i didn't include that one because i didn't want to include two pretty recent films in my list and i am including arrival i've already talked about how much i love arrival but i didn't cry at the parts where you know amy adams's uh, dr banks's daughter dies I kind of cried at the point where the reveal kind of happens and we understand the the structure of the film. I was kind of overwhelmed by that. Uh, again, I saw this movie the night after the election uh, back in November. So it was really kind of overwhelming. This is one of the few non-sentimental tears on my list. I was just uh, really overwhelmed by the storytelling and, and the beauty of the construction of how they told this story. Um, and... And it's one where I need to go back and watch it again. I haven't watched, I said when we first talked about it, that I wanted to watch it again and I haven't yet. But maybe I'll binge watch uh, this and get out again. Uh, because those are two that I think has so many diff different levels that I'd like to see multiple times. But um, the, the emotions of Arrival were real and palpable when I saw them on November 9th. Yes, that's. I had the same reaction to Hedwig, which I saw the same night as you saw Arrival. There was other things going on. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, the things that helped amplify the emotions that were already present in the piece. Yes. All right, so what's your number three, Jen? 
My number three is from 2008, and it's a, a jovial, uplifting tale called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I'm, I'm unfamiliar. You've never seen that movie? No. Interesting. Uh, this is about a little boy. In, he's an eight-year-old boy in Nazi Germany. And as he's wandering through the woods one day exploring, he comes across this boy on the other side of the fence in striped pajamas. And they become best friends. And it is the story of uh, their friendship. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it doesn't end well. And um, I had a trouble driving home afterwards. I had to sit in my car and actually calm down. Hmm. Um, but I, I I cried very, very hard. And I, I mean, if you have a day where you need to do nothing and just lie in bed and weep, I would recommend you watch this first thing in the morning. And you'll be good. Yeah, I'm looking it up here. Vera Farmiga is in it. Interesting. Rupert Friend. Jim Norton. Okay. All right. And they spell pajamas oddly, apparently. Yeah, because I think it was... It's a it's Polish a British or... BBC. Yeah. Some... It was a BBC Films, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. uh, it's hilarious. So. All right, number two. Another one that is an absolutely hilarious film. Um, it is... It is from the producing team of Evan Goldberg, Seth Rogen, and Ben Carlin, the noted dramatists that they are. This was directed by Jonathan Levin. This is a movie that came out in 2011 called Fifty Fifty, um, and it, it stars the uh, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a 27-year-old um, NPR-type radio journalist who finds out that he has cancer. Goes through this with Seth Rogen as his best friend, his his girlfriend Rachel, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. They kind of break up. He starts seeing a therapist, a very inexperienced therapist, working on getting her PhD. She is, of course, played by Anna Kendrick. So, you know, two Anna Kendrick movies showing up in my top ten. Not a shocker there. But it's, it's really a sweet story about uh, Adam, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, going through this process with the support of his best friend with his therapist slash maybe girlfriend, with his his mother, played by Angelica Houston. It's just a really sweet film, and, and I cried a number of times at this when, you know, Adam breaks down because of, you know, all of the, the, the surgeries and the chemo and how hard that's weighing on him, and then the sentimental stuff with him and Catherine and a Kendrick's character and their growing relationship, and um, just a really... Kind of subtle, you know, under the radar, indie-ish type film that I really, really loved and 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 made me cry multiple times. And one of the things that either started helping me fall in love with Anna Kendrick or maybe helped it along the way. But um, really, really good film across the board. It also featured Anna Kendrick's co-star from Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Sugarland Beard, um, in a in a smaller role. So throw that out as well. I love that movie. I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, it's a good film. Um, okay, for my number two, we're going to take Jen back to her adolescent days when her brother came home from college. Casablanca? <laughs> oh, you're funny. My, my brother came home from college and decided to we decided to go to a late movie one night, and he took me to see the 1989 movie Dead Poets Society. I don't really know what to say about it. It was just my first experience really getting a visceral reaction from someone who was represented to be my age. And 
I cried very, very hard. And now it even has a more sentimental value with Robin Williams being gone. Um, but it's just just the way they tell that story about, you know, being teenagers and just having that one teacher that gets you. Like, I hope I hope everyone has that one teacher, if not more, that just understands you and lets you be you and encourages you to be you. And then when met with opposition, you know, you have a choice. You have a Javert choice. You you live or you die. And spoiler alert, he chooses one of those. It's not the greatest. But yeah, cried super hard, you know, 17 years old. It was very dramatic. My brother's like, Jesus Christ, get a grip. Let's go to Denny's. So um, still very sentimental to me. Uh, it's hard to watch, you know, because of Robin, but such a great great movie and it's beautifully shot i think it was up for an academy award i remember arguing with my mother when it lost that teen suicide was a valid um movie and she argued that driving miss daisy should have won because racism is still very prevalent in hindsight she was kind of right so but yeah dead poet society is my number two good one uh, of course if you are going to stand on a desk and make sure that there's not a very fast ceiling fan right above your desk. Saturday Night Live. Okay, my number one, I told you I would return to a sports film, and this is one that I don't know a lot of, when you talk about men crying at movies, this is one that often gets mentioned. Um, this is one that I cry about all the time. It, for a long time, this was my favorite movie. It's kind of fallen down my list as I've gotten older. But it is one that plays so much into my love for baseball, in the history of baseball, but also that sentimental family connections that I've referenced throughout my list. And Jen, you can probably guess what this is. It came out the same year as did. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> I know. And I think you hate this movie. Oh, right? I love this movie, but there are two, oh, okay. there are two words from it. I can say to any one of my six brothers and they will immediately start crying. Do you know what those two words are? The two words, well, three words, I guess you'd say. Oh, want to have a catch. That's the one. Jesus. Yep. What is it with yeah. this movie and boys? <laughs> Uh, it's the father saying the, the movie is of course Field of Dreams, 1989's Field of Dreams. Um, it is, I, I don't know. I mean, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, of course, the cast is fantastic. Kevin Costner, who I don't know why he's a good actor because it literally sounds like he's reading everything, but he just does some of these really uh, touching roles that really gets a lot out of you, and he doesn't seem to be doing a lot. Of course, there's also um, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Gabby Hoffman as a child. You know, so Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. I mean, it's really, final really role. great cast. Was it really? I didn't realize it came that. out posthumously. If I'm not mistaken, oh, I really? could be wrong. Double check it. Mm, yeah, definitely did not come out posthumously. He died in 1994. What What year did this come out? 89. Oh, okay. Hold on. It, it might have been his last role. Um, he did another French-looking film. Um. He did some TV stuff after afterwards, but his last big motion picture. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, but it is, it's a story that, again, has a ton of different twists and turns in it. Some supernatural stuff, which I always love as well. But when it comes down to it, it is about a father and a son rebuilding a relationship that they thought was impossible to rebuild. And it's, it's so touching um, the relationship that Kevin Costner's character Ray Kinsella has with a bunch of different people, with James Earl Jones as Terrence Mann, with his wife, um, with Shoeless Joe Jackson, and then eventually with his father, John Kinsella, um, who's played by Dwyer Brown. It's it's just so good. And like you mentioned, Want to Have a Catch, where 
God, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. it. It's like he's having a catch with his father who's been dead for years, but it's not the father that died. It was the father when he was an actual baseball player before Ray was born. And it's just so – spoiler alert, I guess. But uh, it's just so <sighs> touching. I don't want to say touching because that's su- that's just a cop-out. But it, it it's like chicken soup for the – male baseball lover's soul, I guess. It's just it's so good. I love it. Well, I'm not going to argue with you because obviously, I, as I mentioned, I have six brothers and this and Rudy immediately make them weep, like just the mere mention of it. But um, even if you don't love baseball, it's just a great story. And my theory on Kevin Costner is as long as he's in a baseball movie or something about Kennedy or that era, he's good. Well, what about like historical stuff like Dances with Wolves or that uh, Hatfield McCoy miniseries, which I didn't watch, but apparently was great. Did you no. watch that? No. And I can't do dances. What about Dances with Wolves? No? Okay. Yeah, I don't get it. He's not a good actor, but somehow he's yet a good actor. Yeah, it's inexplicable, so. but I love Field yeah. of Dreams. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it because it's wonderful, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So that's my number one. Jen, now that we've gotten through everything else... Let's see what your number one film is that makes you cry. I feel like we've talked about this before. And uh, if we haven't, here it is. I have never cried harder at a movie than this 2008 documentary, Dear Zachary. It doesn't doesn't ring a bell, so maybe we haven't. Uh, The subtitle is A Letter to a Son About His Father. And it's basically a – I'm not going to give too much away, but an investigation into – a marriage gone wrong and they have a baby and there's a custody battle that ensues and there's a lot of twists and turns and boy, does it just punch you in the face and then rip your heart out through your throat at the end. I, I was, sounds lovely. It's so important. Like that's the thing about documentaries is that they're so important to watch, but when you recommend them to people, they're like, why would you do that to me? So I, I recommend this with caution because it will destroy you. <laughs> but I have I have never cried harder at a movie than this movie. Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father. It's on Netflix. Please watch it. Um, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, I just Googled it. Um, I don't know that I could deal with that. It's, it's so, oh, dear God. <laughs> Whew, yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jen. So that is our... Top 10-ish movies. Again, not really sure how I ranked them, um, but that's it. my list felt right. It felt good. A um, little cathartic. So that is our movies that made us cry. That leads us to my most nerve-inducing part of every Listapalooza episode, and that is when you tell us what our next list will be. So what do you got? Well, this was a bit of a downer. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. And um, we've done our favorite comedy movies in the past so i was wondering how you would feel about talking about the movies that have made us laugh the hardest okay i think we've talked about comedies but i don't know that we've ever listed favorite comedies specifically have we i think we have i don't know why but basketball is sticking out in my head yeah that's a good point i did talk about basketball and i don't remember why uh that and dirty work which you've never even heard of no i never heard of it Uh, okay but top 10 movies that make us laugh the most Still, like if you watched it right now, you would still lose your mind. 
Okay, I'm done with that. I think that's a good balance to this one. I think so, because I'm going to need to um, have a drink. <laughs> oh, yeah, a good palate cleanser here would, would, would work well. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Some Like a Pop's List of Palooza, episode 12. You can get all of our episodes on BroadwayWorld.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SLIP Podcast. You can follow Jen at Eponine Q. You can follow me at BWW Matt. We will be back in maybe the first or second week of April talking about all of the incredible prestige TV that has launched between March and April. So, so much good stuff, mainly because they're getting ready. They want to be present in the voters' minds for the Emmys because it's the end of the Emmys eligibility series. You have to get your episodes in by May, so they generally have to start in April. So, until then, we will see you around the Broadway world. Broadway world.